0: This is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host Brent Billings. Today we are joined by special guest John Roberts to discuss his book, A Griever's Guide to Life. John grew up going to church with his parents and became a Christian while at Clemson University. He currently serves in children's ministry and as an usher, and he enjoys spending time hiking, camping, and doing woodworking projects with his father. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bray. And I don't know if you want to add anything to that introduction, um, talk about your family. I know we're going to get into that um, throughout the episode, but just if you want to add a little more color to what I've already said. The finer things, John, we call (laughs) it. The finer things of life.
1: Uh, The finer things. Uh, Well, you you started off right. uh, I've been married uh, for 30 years to my wife, Beta. And we have uh, three children. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, you know, I have been a Christian for 37 years now. seems like a long time. Um, I became a Christian when I was 18 at a great campus ministry at Clemson University, part of the Foothills Church of Christ back in the day. Um, and I have two sisters. And the fun fact is I'm an identical twin. I have an identical twin brother. Um So, right, Beta and I have three children. Uh, My son, whom I love, Timmy, he's 28. He'll always be Timmy. Um, And my beautiful daughter, Emily, uh, whom I also love. She's 26. They both live here in the Atlanta area. And our youngest, Olivia, is kind of where we welcome everyone to our world, right? Um, uh, She would have been 23 at the time of this recording, and I apologize in advance. Some of this might be emotional, and um, but she is kind of forever eighteen, and I know that's not your, you know, typical intro uh, in terms of finer things. But it's just kind of part of our world and part of what whether we're sitting across the dinner table from someone or on a podcast, uh, it's never. Easy, and we don't really have the vocabulary to bring people into this, you know, uh, in a in a in a way that's uh, easy.
2: Well, that's exactly why we have you on this podcast. So it is it is not easy, and uh, it is different, and yet that's what um, I found so just interesting, uh, moving, helpful, and. So I, I was looking forward to being able to chat about that. It sounds like there's a whole nother podcast in there, Identical Twin. Wow. That's a whole nother conversation we could have at some point. But Yeah,
0: maybe. Well, maybe before we get into the book, um, John, maybe you can explain how you know Marty or how you found out about Bama or whatever your introduction was to, um, to the, the world that our listeners are familiar with. And then, and then we'll talk about um, how we came to know you.
1: Uh, Sure. Um, I heard about BEMA from my friend, Steve Brand, said he, you know, hey, you need to listen to this BEMA. And he's been a longtime friend really with me on this grief journey as well. And I would listen to it from my on my commute to and from work. I a lot of times I would just find myself saying, oh, you know, it's, that's significant. I, in just kind of learning kind of all over again for the first time the significance of a lot of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scripture. And you, Marty, were coming to a church near where we live, kind of a sister church. I, I saw you uh, speak there, and I started kind of giving the minimum, you know, just to support your ministry. And one day I get a random call and I look on my caller ID and it says Marty Solomon. And I told my conference call, hey, I need to take this call. And we probably talked for for two minutes, but that was, I'm not sure how I got on the list or anything, but that was my intro to you, Marty. Well, that
2: is, uh, man, I didn't know you stepped out of a conference call just to take my little old phone call. (laughs) How about that? But. Um, yeah, no, I, it's actually really, it was really interesting as I got ready for this chat today, I kind of went back and was thinking about that. I did. I, I, I met John through our donor database and John was giving this regular small gift before it was cool. Like, (laughs) um, and, and we'll leave the, we'll leave the dollar amount out of this, but John really is responsible, uh, in a lot of ways. I've never even thanked you for this, John, but like, I looked at that and went, oh, my goodness, do you know that if more people did that, there's so many people listening. That Like, you were a part of this kind of seed that led to what so many other listeners have been able to participate in. And uh, so, yeah, it was kind of cool. Um, but long before it was the thing to do, uh, John was doing that. and And, yeah, I got to connect with him. And then I think you sent me your book in the mail. Mm-hmm. And... I, you know, I get a lot of books, John, and a lot of people send me their books. And I got it and I opened it and I went, uh oh, Okay. And then I <laughs> I started reading it and I think like I, I'm I'm a chapter in. And I don't think I'm trying to remember, I don't think I knew your story, your family's story at this point. I don't believe I did. Um and I get like a chapter in and I'm like, oh goodness. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to buckle up here. And then I start looking. I like go to the back of the book because I'm like, oh, man, is this guy a therapist? Is he a psychologist? Like, who is this guy? What's going on here? Because it changes the posture that you have when you interact with a book. Am I reading somebody that has professional expertise? And I have discovered like that's not where this book is coming from. Um, this book is coming from somebody that has experience. And there's two different kinds of of expertise that we all know we're familiar with. And yours was of that second kind. And it was unbelievably well-written. I'm still like totally <laughs> stunned at how well-written this book is and easy to read it is, uh, just knowing where it comes from. But it it was just full of like chapter after chapter, um, just all these just little rich um, nuggets that were coming from just your experience. You were simply sharing as somebody that had been on a journey and is on a journey, you were sharing these like thoughts. It wasn't heavy handed. It wasn't coming like, this is the way that it was just like, here's the thing. Here's an experience I've had. Here's something I've learned. And um, my wife always comes over every morning, kind of as our paths connect, I'm reading, she's heading out to give the dog a walk. And we always have this uh, exchange and she would come over and like half the mornings, I'm like, crying in tears and she's like oh man is this book pretty good and i'm like you have no idea so (laughs) so this book was just such a uh you surprised me you caught me unawares john but um uh, since since most haven't read your your book or know of your story would you share briefly like whatever details you'd like to share about the story and and i know we've had a conversation about how this is something you like you, you want to lean into, we also recognize like these things would be tough. Um, But anything you'd like to share about the story and what's led you to this chapter in your journey and what people will find in this book about grief?
1: Oh, sure. Um, Well, first of all, I just, I did want to thank you for being just uh, being willing to go there, uh, go here with, with us uh, on our journey with, uh, our journey of gr- not just grief, but it's really, in the end, uh, grief and God. And uh, I just figure a little intro to Olivia, because uh, that's certainly, the you know, the backdrop to all of this. Uh, she was our youngest child. She We called her our Puerto Rican child, my, my wife, Beta. She's from Puerto Rico. Uh, and Olivia was, you know, she had the olive skin, the brown eyes, the black long black curly hair she was tall tall and beautiful um and we like to say she was an old soul uh when it came to music she she liked september by earth wind and fire uh one day i was listening to a country song on my pandora she came by and said dad let me help you out (laughs) And she changed it to a Motown station for me. And (laughs) and, um, she had gone on several service trips, mission trips, one to Nicaragua and two to Bolivia. And her last, she liked to make videos of them and set them to music. And so the last one to Bolivia, uh, it's really, you know, six weeks, eight weeks before she passed away, um, she did the video and set it to this beautiful Johnny Mathis song. <laughs> and I, mm. I just think, mm. you know, it's deep. It's a deep song. It's, it's a deeply meaningful video, obviously now. Uh, but, you know, how many 18 year olds know about Johnny Mathis? And so anyway, she, sure, yeah.
2: Which Johnny Mathis song was it, John?
1: Yeah, it, It's called Not For Me To Say. And, um, mm. uh, I'll just throw that out there. I'm sure there's a link now that you mentioned it. Brent will it.
2: get it in the show notes. That's what he does. He's magic at that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh that sounds good. So um anyway, she uh was a very engaging, she was known for her kindness. She she did like to have a good time. Um and she was a great dancer. I mean, I could kind of go on, right? Um, but the story, the backstory is it was our anniversary. Uh, you know 20, 25 years and um, she was packed and ready to leave uh, for college and she was three days away from leaving and of course she had everything packed, she was totally ready to get out of the house and Beta and I came in. They had left somewhere. We didn't know where she and Emily, uh, her sister, had gone. Um, but we we came in and we sat down uh, as just with dessert and uh, our gifts to exchange to each other. Literally, we were just sitting down, and and that's when we got the call uh, from Emily. And they it was actually five girls. It was an auto accident. Uh, the three girls, Blair, Megan, and Carly, they, they're all just such good friends. Um, you know, that's, you know, the four of them were all okay. You know, some, some bruise and bruises and cracked ribs and, you know, a couple of things like that. Um, but that's, you know, Olivia passed away. So again, that's a deep and hard story to listen to. Uh, I, I realized that, but that's just how the grief journey began for us.
0: Yeah, that's, um, it's, it's so difficult for me to even comprehend, um, what that's like. And, and I wonder, um, like a lot of people have, have grief in some way or another. Um, I think in your case, it's, it's maybe more tragic, um, because parents aren't supposed to see their kids go, um. It's supposed to be the other way around. I mean, quote unquote, supposed to be. Um, but a lot of people have gone through some kind of grief like that. Not very many people end up writing a book about it. So what um, what drove you to write about it at all? Uh, and and maybe what led you to the point where you're like, this needs to be a full-blown book and, and maybe talk about that process?
1: Uh, what I realized early on is... People process grief in different ways. Uh, for example, my my wife Beta, she was into journaling, journaling, but often she would just write her emotions, write out her prayers. Uh, she would get her circle of friends. That was kind of her way. My way was kind of to um, have kind of withdraw and not in a bad way, but just to kind of have these alone times where I would meditate, think. And really start diving into some of the questions I had uh, about what had happened, and about God, and about the Bible. Um, you know, read Dent did this thing on deconstruction, and I don't—I still don't know if I grasped all of what he was talking about. But I just feel like okay, I need to rethink literally, I mean, I'm not over-dramatizing this. I I just feel like I need to rethink God in light of these questions. And I, and Bema, it was, it was a good time to kind of come into Bema overall, because growing up, uh, and I summarize this in the book, I looked at the Bible, and there's a bumper sticker, this is long ago, but God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And I just, I said, no, I can't do that anymore. That's not going to work for me as a griever. That's not going to work for me as someone who has trauma. I need to be able to look at the Bible not as commands, not to simply bend my will somewhere, you know, because it's sinful. I need better—I hope there's better answers and a better view of God than kind of where I was, since that's where this— journey started it started in my journaling and I would start asking questions why did this happen that was that was my first question I asked it right in the ER my friend Buzz who was he and Virginia are the parents of uh, Carly and Blair uh, two of the girls in the accident and I said I was hugging him goodbye they they were going home and I said you know how could this have happened and that's that to me is a spiritual question that's fair game. And I had to go find, I didn't have to find the answer, but I had to ask it if that makes sense. Um, So I started doing that and and asking, is it okay to ask why? Um, Is that is was this the will of God? Um, Deep, I mean, these are, you know, obviously deep questions, but I think they're worthy questions, certainly in grief, certainly in you know, trauma, pain. Um, Where was God? You know, why didn't he prevent this from happening? How do I get back to normal? Is there a normal? (laughs) Uh, Things of that nature. And I journaled and journaled and I shared things as I went. And one uh, person, uh, in particular, Tara Brand, Steve Brand's wife, said, hey, this is a book. You know, this is a book you have to keep writing. And that's so so I did and that's it kind of just came together um as this book.
2: Yeah, I I'm looking at some of the the notes that you even had and some of these questions are really big and philosophical and some of these questions are really practical and everything in the middle. Like one of the questions you have written down here is just how do I get out of bed? Like I can't imagine how many people relate to that in the middle of grief, trauma, depression. Like yeah, like sometimes it's big lofty like who is God and why did this happen? And sometimes it's, how do I just do the next thing that I have to do?
1: Right. It's, for me, along those lines of thinking, it was, how do I make it through today? You know, right. can I make it through the day? And really, even at the end of the day saying, I made it, <laughs> you know, I made right. it through this day, you know? So yeah, that's very real.
2: Yeah. So what kind of, as you've written this and kind of let this book out into the world, which has to be like a unique kind of... Um, intimate creation of yours? What kind of responses have you experienced and what have you seen from others as they interact with your story, whether it's the book or just knowing you and those relationships? What have you seen in others as they interact with these ideas?
1: Sure. It's been really interesting. Uh, one area that I've gotten as feedback is uh, how several folks have said, you know, I started I started the book and I had to put it down and I just I couldn't I couldn't go forward it was too much for them and I get it uh in fact I I kind of give people a heads up and it's not that I bring people into the actual story of what happened it's more of facing these emotions facing rethinking about god it's all intense and it brings it does bring you know, people into kind of a uh, an intense area that they might not have looked at in a while. Um, and so, that but it's been interesting for me to see. I think as I've gotten a few years in, it's been five years, I used to say, oh, that's okay. Oh, don't, you know, I get it. And I still feel that way, um, that it might be necessary to hold off. But overall, it's like, it's important to go there at some time, you know, it's important whether it's my story or your neighbor's story or the person, you know, has gone through something similar. And there's plenty of people, you know, whether it's their story, it's important, you know, to go there eventually. And so that's been an interesting um, level of feedback there. I, I've gotten a lot of great, deeply meaningful Responses, a lot of gratitude, uh, changed my life. You know, uh, you know, or just wow, um, you know, and that's been very meaningful too. I don't really have the vocabulary yet, really to. It's not like I look at those things and say, "Oh, great," you know, because (laughs) it's still grief, and there's always going to be this backstory there. Um, But a lot, my most. What I like most about it is if when we are able to um, have a conversation and that's the whole, I think the whole goal of the book for me is to hear people's stories. I've, I've shared mine and now I get to hear theirs and we can kind of walk this path together.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You said in some of your, your notes, you haven't gotten nearly as much feedback from younger people. I would imagine that's because they haven't gone through and relate to, deep i mean obviously many of them have that's an overgeneralization but just the less life lived the less grief the less trauma you at least that kind of crisis and tragedy you've experienced is there anything else that you see in that that jumps to your mind that you you think is important
1: well i've i just have noted it and and noticed that was i mean it's just been um interesting i You know, overall, I think back to when I was young and I was certainly out of touch. And part of, because there were so many young, this is a story about a tragedy among young people. A lot of those people are going, you know, are are going through it. The the grief journey, their grief journey started that same night too, in their own way. And uh, I guess I would liken it really to, Ecclesiastes 7, you know, the entering the house of uh yeah. mourning. And I again that came from a friend of mine who had been down this road before I did trip. Uh he he shared that with me. And mm. I remember reading that scripture as a young person and just kind of writing it off. It's about uh, you know, I look at Ecclesiastes maybe as a whole, I remember thinking. You know, uh, Solomon had a bad day, you know, when he wrote Ecclesiastes. Sure. <laughs> right. But as an older person, I look at it and I say, Solomon was right, you know, in a yeah. lot of areas. And this is one area that it's important to go there, even as a young person, really at any age, but certainly as a young person to to go there. It's necessary. And it's something that everybody at some level will experience. So there's some yeah. wisdom I guess is what I mean and what he he was saying.
2: Yeah. Now, you're uh, again, what I loved about your book is it was just full of really well articulated n- nuggets of experiential wisdom and reflections. Um but I also felt like it avoided like the dangerous temptations to resolve like you write these books and the temptation is like well I want to give people answers I want to give people resolution and and you you obviously avoided that because of things that you had experienced and things you had knew like things you knew from that experience and you you, you avoided drifting to extremes um like one of my favorite examples of this is in the book you talk about grief not being your enemy but it's also not your friend mm-hmm. um and I loved that because I when I first read you talk about grief is not my enemy I'm like yeah and like there was a part of me that was like, Yeah, grief's gonna be my companion. Grief is and then like right as I started to think, grief is my friend, you said, It's also not my friend. Like
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's gonna be along for the ride, but um, it's neither of those. And so it was like as somebody untrained in psychology and grief, it was for me a really healthy and balanced interaction with the experience of grief. So does that come from your personality? Does that come from time and counseling, relationships with other people, something God led you to and told you? Reflections on just the scripture, all the above. Where does that come from, John?
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, well, the first part of your question really is the reason. Another reason why I, I wrote the book. I and it's not like these the other books are wrong in any way or whatever. Reading, um, you know, lots of online resources. I just couldn't resonate with going there so quickly. I couldn't resonate with hopping to promises fulfilled in, in heaven. And mm. I am on this earth and I got to live through this next day. I got to figure out how to piece together my life. I got to help my wife. My wife has to help me. I have to help my children. You know, um, I I need something more with more depth. And And all of this, really, I got to certainly figure out me and God and, and understand all of that. So um, let's see, you mentioned grief, not being your enemy, not being your friend. Uh, I, I was drawn to grief being the enemy and not again, not to overgeneralize about men, but certainly I, it just certainly wasn't in my nature to be, you know, it's my much more in my nature to fight, the sadness, or to say, how can I get out of this sadness as soon as possible? When can, when will this be over? And all those, you know, shortcuts are stifling things of that nature. It's just not in our best interest, but it is so common. And I, you know, I've, being in it now, I feel it. And I'm like, I need to, I need to write about this and write, kind of write through this. Uh, and it's not our friend either. I do, I've, I guess part of this is I've seen it, you know, I've seen, I uh, had a, had an old neighbor who passed away last year, he was a good friend, and he had a saying called, uh, when I went to visit him, he would say, John, you know, I've seen some things. <laughs> and, you know, he was just, what he meant by that was he's about to tell me a story and and it's going to be rich. And I feel like I've I seen some things in life that uh, obviously have helped me as a 55-year-old uh, who's been through this tragedy. I've I seen some things. And, and that has helped. I would say also I'm surrounded by therapists somehow. <laughs> and, I you know, I'm married to a therapist. That's what Banna does for a living my good friend Steve, he's my hiking buddy as well, and when we go on hikes, I know the deal. I'm going to get the therapy questions, and it's it's, it's I say it in jest. It's a blessing. I mean, it's a real blessing, and uh, we have a psychiatrist friend so dear, a psychologist friend Michelle, who was the, the mom of the other girl Megan, who was in the accident, that are our best friends, and. So the joke is I need I need all these people you know around me, but if I the way I look at it is if I believe in a God who not um does you know controls everything, but a God who orchestrates, who intervenes, who works for the good, I believe those people were uh in my life for such a time as this. I mean that's kinda how I look at it. And so when you when you ask me that question those are the types of things i think about
2: yeah you mentioned having um <laughs> i love in the notes you said i have my jonathans my nathans my abigails i love i love that because this is what's just been true for god's people for thousands of years these voices that god brings into our lives to speak to us in the right ways at the right times some people there to encourage us and come alongside some people to speak hard truths but people that are in relationship and and uh, and I love how much like you you do bring a lot of reflection from the scriptures all throughout your book, every chapter, in our conversations that we've had personally. Um, you you have a really good relationship with the text too, and that I'm sure that has meant a lot to you in the midst of all of this as well.
1: Yes, I mean, like I said earlier, Bema has been part of this journey, and just being able to relook at scriptures. I thought I always knew, Uh, for example, Jeremiah 29, and it sounds so simple now when I talk about it, but it is starting at verse 11 kind of version of that uh, promise or what we kind of take as a promise that we can, you know, um, take our stance on. I had to rethink that. How does that fit? How does that thinking fit with me? And I realized, oh, that promise is not exactly the way I should be applying it. It shows God's heart, shows God's faithfulness, but it also is a promise that says it's seventy years from now. you know there's there's more to it, and I've been doing Bible in a year this year, and I find I continue to find things that help me in my grief, but what I realized is I need to read Jeremiah 1 through28. <laughs> that's like uh-huh. I have to yeah. earn my right to to sure. see that in Jeremiah uh, twenty-nine. And anyway, so that's that uh and many other examples uh as you mentioned are you know helped me along uh this journey.
0: So John the the book was published in uh March twenty twenty. Um which is an interesting time to, um, to do anything really. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're coming up on, you know, almost two years and I'm wondering like what, um, you know, I, I think most books have like an initial flurry of activity and then it's just kind of like a long tail of, of whatever. And so I'm just wondering like what your hopes and desires are for the book going forward. Like, what do you expect people to, um, How do you expect people to engage the book um, or whatever else? I don't know if you have any other future plans for more books uh, from things you've learned since then or or whatever. So, yeah, just um, just give us an idea of, of where where you think things are going.
1: You know, I think the main thing I would like for people to do is to have a source where they can they can lean into it. They can go there uh, they can go toward the pain and the grief, and it sounds weird to say that, certainly not in our culture in any way, shape, or form. But I just have found it to be necessary, and it's something that we can't fear. I do think what will help us, and I hope people realize, is that there is a God who understands, there's a God who's fully aware Um there is a God who is comforting I mean you think about the three descriptions God Jesus and the holy spirit um it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful counselor you know it's it's a counselor God is the i mentioned therapists earlier God is the wonderful counselor it is Jesus who walks with us, grieving with us and that story uh with Lazarus grieving with Mary. And Martha and I even write in the book there, I I get more meaning out of that than him raising Lazarus from the dead. Like, sincerely, I just, he is walking with me right here. And that's what I want people to re- resonate with and see about God and the Holy Spirit who goes by the name of Comforter, you know, and that's, people see, I mean, Again, they exists exist to kind of help us rethink a lot about what we know about the heart and character of God, and this journey uh and this book I hope will help people into that um, and I think in general, again, this is such a difficult thing for people to kind of it's not like getting in touch with our emotions it's uh you talk about journeys by as an example my daughter, Emily, she gave me a book and it's a a book to get to know your dad. It's about 160 pages. And all it has is one question at the top and a blank page for, (laughs) for me to fill out with it, answering that question. And every four or five pages, it has a quote from, you know, Walt Walt Whitman or Maya Angelou. Um, And my I was actually at my same desk um, working uh, here at home and it hit me the way people, not the way people, it sounds kind of judgmental, but the way a lot of us looks at a journey. And they look at the question I was supposed to answer was, what is the, if you had, you could go anywhere in the world, what would you, where would you go and and why? And, and I wrote I wrote about the places I would go, but at the end i I came up with my own you know saying because i just I just felt like I had to, but it says it said the most- the most rewarding journey is when one ventures inwardly a spiritual journey, an in-depth exploration of the soul, a destination unknown where few dare to venture. I uh, just came, came out, I was stuck in a break from work, I probably shouldn't have, but I came out and I wrote it down. And I, that's kind of what I want people to feel comfortable in doing. I know, it might sound heavy or, you know, whatever, but I just, I see the value, like the Ephesians 3, that, the, the in, you know, God being in our inmost being, that are we willing to go there ourselves internally on this journey God wants to go there. Uh and so I would hope that's kind of my main goal uh with the book. Um I don't have any plan. I feel like this journey is kind of ongoing. And so I don't have any plans right now for another book per se. I do write on the side quite a bit um about various subjects um and we'll see what might come out of that, but uh, uh this this journey is Kind of ongoing, so I feel the need to kind of stick with it.
2: Really well said. I, I feel like the next time I'm at one of those icebreakers and somebody asks that question, I'm going to really just lay one on them, and they're just <laughs> going to be like, "Oh, wow!" I'm <laughs> act like I just came up with the greatest thought in the world. That uh, that's great. Really well said, John. So, um, I think I, I think I have one more kind of big, big thought and question before we start working towards a close here. Your chapter on guilt was the one that. Uh, just rocked me. Um, I think my wife too. I know the, and I think I know the answer to this question, um, but I ask it just to get some of your reflection. Um, has all of this gone away? Like, has, uh, has any of this gotten like quote unquote better over time as you've dealt with grief? Has it changed? Is it? What, what has that experience been like?
1: Hmm. Those are those are deep deep waters you're venturing into there, Marty. Uh, let's see, I. I would say yes and no, and I'm sure that's what you might expect me to say. I guess I look at this answer. I mean, guilt, it was such a hard chapter to write. It was um, just dealing with the emotion of grief and guilt. They really go hand in hand, very common for anyone experiencing guilt. And it's just a really intense part of my uh, journey. And... I remember writing about parts in the book where I would just, you know, kind of my, I would start shaking as I'm typing. It was, you know, hitting home, whether it was a scripture from Job uh, and Job's friends in particular, I talk about that. Uh, my A walk with my friend Andrew um, about guilt after kind of seeing a, a part of a, a movie scene, a, a church event. Uh, And kind of talking through where were you, dad, you know, that was, you know, things of that nature I had to work through. And it, it, it was helpful. One of the biggest things is at the end, I mean, I'm almost done with the chapter and I'm like, I don't know why grief. Sorry. I don't know why guilt has such a grasp on me. And then I realized, hey, it's not grasping me. I'm grasping it. And I'm grasping mm-hmm. it because I mm-hmm. want to have an answer, or I'm angry, or I want to answer the question of why in particular. And somehow it ends up back uh, with me. But I just that even of itself was helpful uh, for me. So the the question is the right one. It's not linear, really. Like it's you can't plot it on a graph. Uh, I would say it's like the rest of grief. I have good days and bad days but I think most importantly having a place to go uh having a an alternative and that's introduced again and again in the bible um, Isaiah 61 having that alternative with God there that brings something different into the picture that allows for some hope even though you don't feel it right now um and and the way you worded the question um if you don't mind i as a husband and how i look at my role like i said earlier as a father to grievers as a husband to a griever as a griever um i read simple scriptures like love is patient love you know grief is just can be very destructive to relationships mm. and I can be—I um, I can now read 1 Corinthians 13, which my, I might have heard at my wedding and picked up a couple times then. But love is patient, love is kind. I need to be, as a husband, bringing that into into my situation. Um, hmm. As a uh, Ephesians 5, when I read about the husband and Jesus in the church and all those thoughts are kind of intertwined, well— now I need to think about, well, am I going to be the gentle healer in my relationship? I mean, it's, there's parts of it that are broken. They'll be healed over time. But I, me, I need to bring kind of this, um, the a gentle healer approach, a Jesus approach. Anyway, I, I guess I'm just saying that it changes my thoughts in all my relationships.
2: Absolutely. So there's a sense of... Uh... Uh, there's no way this has all gone away. It's probably not going away yet. You find yourself also growing and you find yourself, it is a journey. It is a hike. It is a, you're, you're moving. You're not, you're not stuck. And it's this dynamic thing where you're continuing to learn and let it shape and change you. If I'm hearing you correctly, I like that.
0: Right. So John, um, most of my experience with grief is, um, as a friend, of someone else who is grieving. Um, and even, even in the moments where I've had, um, had my own grief to experience, like when I was 25, uh, I lost, uh, a roommate,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but even in that case, like the, the, the other friends, um, around me were grieving in completely different ways than I was. Um,
1: mm-hmm
0: and And probably not in the healthiest way on my end of things i'm 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 not i'm not the best griever um and and hopefully I will um learn some things from you for um future experiences but anyway as a friend like what um what are some things that you've learned along the way um maybe some positive things some negative things Uh, about how you can engage someone else who's close to you who's grieving um in a situation where you yourself don't don't have a way to experience that grief to the same extent like what how how should a friend be a friend in in the uh in the realm of grief
1: sure uh i think the first thing is just not to fear going there um Now, going there meaning not to fear being with your friend. Uh, I know a lot of us don't know the words, and that's okay. Uh, I have a friend, Stuart Latta, he he lost, he and his wife lost his son, uh, their son, and and he described Job and his friends as, his friends were great for the first week. And the first week, they just sat there and didn't say anything. (laughs) They were just present. And I think that's, Probably the most important thing that you can be to a griever is not to avoid them, to be present for them. And depending on the level of your relationship, you know, you can ask them uh, the questions. You can be the Jonathan and help them spiritually in their time of need, right? Um, So I just, there's some wisdom there, right? Don't just shoot a text, Uh, you know, write a card, um, go visit if if that's, uh can be worked out. Uh, you know, it's all part of this idea entering the house of mourning. Um, so I do think that we've been given gifts as people, whether it's a close friendship, whether it's wisdom, use your gifts. It might be mowing the lawn like someone came over and did randomly for me or serving or arranging, organizing, you know, whatever it takes, there's such a role for people to play. And the way I look at this is I, I feel like I'm getting the, you know, in the Bible, it says you'll receive a hundred times brothers, sisters, mothers, etc. I, I feel it. That's, I've, I have felt that experience and I'm very grateful for it. And, um, but that is, that is what you can do. That is what we can do for each other. And it, helps the Bible and that a verse like that come alive in real life. in grief.
2: Yeah, I love the uh, wisdom, uh, the Jewish practice of sitting Shiva being very similar. Just show up and commit to being there. Um, saying less, uh, worrying what to do less, as long as you're committed to the person in the relationship and being fully present. I love how you keep bringing this back to, the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. Well, I think we suggested in our episode, if I remember right, Brent, could even be the center of a if there is anything chiastic going on, seems to almost be the pinnacle part of Ecclesiastes chiasm or not, this uh Ecclesiastes seven, entering the house of mm. mourning. There's wisdom there. There's mm. wisdom there. Yeah. Um and uh and and it's not going to be easy wisdom. It's not going to be, I think it compares the house of mourning to the house of feasting and a festival and party and celebration. Listen, it'll be a whole lot more fun over there. And yet there's, there's wisdom and there's purpose and there's something meaningful and grounded in a house of mourning. And I have not learned that well as a pastor. I remember getting into campus ministry thinking I will, I'm so glad I will make less and less uh, hospital calls and... And yet that was me just avoiding something that uh, really there's – the older I get and the more people I'm surrounded by, uh, there's wisdom there that I've missed out on for the sake of uh, my comfort and convenience. And so, yeah, I I like that, especially in relationship to to our friends, our deepest friends. So, uh, John, is there anything else as we close this conversation? Anything that you're working on or involved with? It doesn't have to be any, even be something that you're in charge of, but anything out there that we need to know about from John Roberts, uh, related or unrelated. This is your this is your shot to make your big promo <laughs> of something awesome. Anything that we need to know about with John?
1: Well, I am. We do have. I remember uh, Olivia had gone to Bol- Bolivia a couple times, and oh, yes. we have a nonprofit. Um, you can find out more information. It's it's beolivialibrary.com, and the theme is to be like Olivia. Uh, mm. and, and it's uh, b olivialibrary.com. I'm sure, Brent, you can uh, put it in the show notes. Absolutely, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, I a Spanish version is coming out, a Spanish version of the book, such a big need. Um, and so that's coming out here in the next two or three months. Uh, I am an elder in training uh, at my church, and I'm just seeing where God kind of takes that. So um, that's a big part of my, uh, been been a big part of my last, you know, five, six months. Um, So that's an interesting journey. Um, And a, a personal, I mean, I've been doing Bible in a year, like I said, and I write a lot and I keep getting stuck going back to Jephthah and, and his daughter in that story. And this just a, for what it's worth. I just, I just can't leave it alone. And the meaning of it, I think I'm just kind of starting to touch. Uh, gift talk is what uh, L. Grover fricks uh, that you had on, or as part of your team, I guess. Um, yes. So anyway, that's, that's some of what I'm doing.
0: Brilliant. Love it. And and John, if anyone is interested in getting a hold of you, uh reaching out for whatever reason, um uh, sharing their own stories of how how your book uh, affected them or helped them or whatever, uh what's the best way for people to get a hold of you?
1: It's probably through email and that's it's listed I'm sure on that um Be Olivia library site. Um
0: but I can give it to you now. Uh, well, I'm I'm okay with making people work for it a little bit. If they want to get a hold of you, they can go check out your website. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I think that does it for this episode. Marty, do you have any um, other closing thoughts before we close it down?
2: Um, just, and I would say this at the end of an interview, but in a really special way, I mean this. Uh, just thank you, John, for... Uh, giving of yourself um, to write the book, giving of yourself to share your story, not just in the book, but in so many ways, and being willing to come on here and talk about this and just so clearly um, invite us, uh, challenge us, encourage us to to go there in those spaces. So uh, in maybe a unique and significant way, I'm, I'm very thankful for your your contribution
0: today, so thanks for being here.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: There, there is nobody out there who doesn't need um, a little bit of a guide in this process. So uh, it's very important, and your vulnerability and sharing your story to help others um, is is definitely uh, very encouraging to me. So thank you as well. Thank you, Brent. Yeah. So uh, that does it for this episode. If you want to get a hold of Marty, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB. And you can go to BaymontAscipleship.com to find more details about the show. So thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast this week. We'll talk to you again soon.